Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We're happy to have everyone back. You know, I always say, ladies and gentlemen, I got no idea if any ladies listen to this podcast. I think the number is pretty small. But there, if you there are out there, there's a couple. There's a couple. We have our moms. Um, oh, my, there's no chance my mother listens to this. Mine neither. My my mother in law randomly will listen. Um, that's about all. Yeah. All right. And so we got one, maybe. Yeah, and she's not a golfer. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the ladies and gentlemen that that do listen, uh, gents. How's it going? Happy to have you back. It's a rhetorical question, Jay. You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, why don't you just like <laughs> sub in our last 97 responses? Last 140 responses to that question. Yeah, doing great. Really good to be here. Great yeah. to see you guys. A beautiful night. Here in the frozen tundra, um, I was doing this in flip flops. So, what what are you guys what are you guys drinking tonight? Um, I stepped up to some Remus Repeal, Ooh. Uh, number seven. Good. Wow. wow! Oh yeah, I'm on a new bottle I bought today, brewed right here in Nashville. Not brewed, but distilled. <laughs> I don't uh, see that process. Or barreled, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. It does come from a distillery, so yeah, we'll say it's distilled. Um, <laughs> we got a name for it? Pennington. Pennington Distilling Company. Uh, right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Davidson Reserve Four Grain. So it's oh. a little bit of a blend. I've not had it before, but I will say I think it's pretty solid for the dollar. So I'm there in. Go. Good. I like it. I have a rabbit hole Derringer tonight. Oh, you dirty dog, you. It's uh, so delicious. So that's my tasting notes. So delicious. That is good. Well, that is good. And, and gents, I think we actually have, well, we kind of tease this. I'm not trying to brag, but we, we are officially journalists now. I'm not sure how many of our listeners know. Yes, we are. But the news is out. Uh, we are officially journalists and members of the sports media. And so what I'm, what I'm talking about is um, the Middle Atlantic PGA that I am a part of does annual awards. And a couple of weeks ago, I get a call from our president, Andy Weisinger. Fine gentleman. Uh, Sunday night, I'm like, what, what's Andy calling me for? So I called him <laughs> back. I missed his initial phone call. And he's like, hey, I just want to let you know. Uh, we finished our nomination and selection process, and we've selected you for an award. My first instinct was, what fucking award are they giving me? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, we've selected you for the Earl Helen Sports Media Award for our podcast. I immediately started laughing and thought he was kidding. <laughs> hey, so... You're so confident in, in our, all of our abilities. Well, I mean, <laughs> in, in this product that we're we're shelling out. So, anyways, it was it, it is cool. I do make fun of myself, especially since the last winner of this award was Scott Van Pelt from ESPN. Not only did they stretch the word journalism by giving us this award or me and all of us by, by proxy, you guys are, are award winners as well now, but they go from Scott Van Pelt to the emergency nine golf podcast. I mean, 
there you go. Quite a dip. Quite a dip. It, this this so award no is presented. Ground. This award is presented yearly to an individual in golf media who best exemplifies the commitment and service to golf reporting, and who demonstrates the same genuine appreciation for the role of the PGA professional, as as was demonstrated by Earl Helen. Mike's peer selected him as the recipient of this award in recognition of his dedication and consistent support to the section and its golf professionals. Amen, Mikey. It's uh, it's, it's something else. Congrats. It's awesome. Like, like I've been <laughs> awesome. like I've been telling people, whoever thought you could drink bourbon and yell at your buddies about golf and win an award? <laughs> this is it. What a country we live in. What, what a, a country. country. What a country. <laughs> what a country. Oh, that's great. So it is it is cool to be recognized by my peers. And like I said, this is also an award for you guys, even though technically it's my name on the award. Uh this goes this goes to all of us. And I don't see Jay or I mentioned anywhere. I mean anywhere. I didn't write Nowhere. any of that. I I didn't have that's none of my <laughs> writing. No that's none of my writing. No writing. It, it is it is cool. It I'll is try cool. to I'll I mean, try to slide your name into the acceptance speech, McLean, if I can. Why you don't want to get thrown off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the other funny part about this right so lindy my wife's always giving me a hard time because we don't have any sponsors on this podcast we don't make any money it costs us money so i come down from this phone conversation she goes what was that all about and i said i'm an award winner for the podcast she's like what and i tell her what it is and she goes well are we are you gonna make any money off this now i'm like actually it's gonna cost you money because we got to go to a black tie function in northern virginia <laughs> <laughs> You got to go buy a nice dress and we got to get a hotel room. So it's going to cost you more money, actually. The Emergency Nine pro, uh, podcast, the giving continues. That's right. That's how much we love the game of golf. We're willing to be the big negative folks. Okay. So, all of our listeners, we're going to go bankrupt just to bring you marginal golf content. That's right. We're here That's for right. you. <laughs> So yes, that that's been making the waves, waking making uh, around. I've had some nice texts and uh, emails and calls from people. So thank you uh, for doing that. And again, it's uh, man, what a world! You know, Scott Van Pelt, awesome. and Mike Maroney, they're winning the same award you guys back, are, back years. You guys are one in the same. I mean, pretty much like the same. I'm thinking about getting some black glasses, black rim glasses. I think <laughs> no, no, I don't need any any corrective lenses, but. Uh, I might get some glasses, you know. I do wear a headset like him, so it's kind of like his logo here. But. That's right. Anyway, so yeah, so guys, raise your fancy glasses of bourbon. Let's let's cheers to cheers. the Orange Nine Golf Podcast. Cheers to the E Nine Golf yeah. Podcast for winning awards, award winning. We can put that on our tagline now: award winning, award winning golf podcast. Yeah, I like. <sighs> It's a testament to just we. I think the you mean obviously you, you did this is your this was your idea to get this together and we just kind of tag along and That's and have right. fun with it. But but I mean you, you you send out you know before I don't know if everybody knows this but Mike you will send everybody a rundown of topics that he wants to go over and he always asks us uh, any thoughts. And we always have our thoughts, but we never respond back to Mike and say, let's talk about this. We typically hold those back so we can catch yeah. them off guard so we can get our put our zingers in. But I've I've um, written 141 of these emails now about a show with a rundown of show topics. 
<laughs> I actually, I think the last handful I've stopped even asking you guys, like normally it's like, Hey, let me know if there's anything else you guys want to talk about. And I'm O for 141. on getting a response. I think I've, I've responded like once <laughs> I did respond like one time. That was um, week two. <laughs> that, was, that was early. That was early in the podcast days, oh, but that's great. I mean, you know, 141 episodes over the course of three years, um, you know, I think that's there. That's that. I think that goes to to show you know how much time you know you and and all you know me and McLean as well put into this, and it's you know some people you know look forward to checking it out, which is kind of cool. Obviously, you wouldn't win this award if people didn't like you know tuning in and listening to it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I that's kind of cool. We all love golf, and I'm going to go over a little bit of that here in a second on, on a massful minute. Um, that might be a little different than most, but um, yeah, I appreciate you guys saying yes when I said, "Hey, guys, I want to start a podcast. You want to be dumb enough and do it with me?" And you guys said, "Yeah, I'm in. Let's go." We're, yeah, and you, we're dumb. almost we're almost three years into this. Um, yeah, I like to think we bring a little a little education and and humor and insight and um, just entertainment uh, of some variety to to those that tune in every week and so we thank everyone that has has tuned in we have some long time listeners that have been listening since the beginning and if you are new thank you we appreciate it tell your friends so maybe this will get us a little publicity where we get some more listeners and if you want to sponsor us you know we'll be happy come on we'll sell our souls for whatever you know that's kind of the thing to do in golf now we'll just sell our yeah. souls for whatever Absolutely. And you can make uh, my wife happy. So, yeah, great. Yeah, we really don't need a lot of money. We just need some money. Some, yeah, and really. Mike any would go be back nice. and say yeah. that the podcast makes money, and then we're we're good. Then his wife's <laughs> happy. Our wives are happy. Right. It's a revenue so. revenue stream for everyone. Yeah, that's exactly is, right. Yeah, I'm thinking about quitting my job. This is a you know a get rich slow <laughs> scheme we've got going on here. <laughs> literally like the slowest the slowest moment. get rich scheme yeah yeah that's great <laughs> but hey it all starts with one award we got to build off of that this is a, right. a really cool award uh given to us by the or given to really mikey who is the leader of this podcast by the middle atlantic pga section and ultimately to have this opportunity and to be honored in this uh in this format is very humbling and uh, it's cool very, it's very fun cool yeah thing, without question it is it is. We make I make light of it like I typically make light of everything, but it is it is cool. So all right. So before we get into some of the, the topics, and like Jay and I were talking beforehand, this might have been one of like the busier news, biggest news stories in golf in the last maybe ever. So but with all that that's been going on, we've talked about it, the ROM, the rollback the shit that the PGA Tour is. This is my masculine, and it's not going to be yelling and cursing and swearing like most of them are. Okay. Jeez, what is it then? It's, I'm going to, it's, I'm almost, this is almost like a pep talk to myself, maybe a pep oh, talk okay. to you guys, but also <laughs> a pep talk to our listeners, right? So I think it's really freaking easy to be frustrated and pissed off. I've been like really down and sad about golf. And I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, like try to cheer me up guys, because this all sucks. And this, week more than ever it it's it just sucks like i i stopped watching the news years ago because it's just like better for my mental health and like i stopped really i mean i, I know loosely what's going on obviously i'm not completely a hermit 
But you're not immersed in all the negative. I'm not immersed in all of it. I stopped following politics. I used to be big into following politics and all this kind of shit. I just swore. Damn, I already broke it. But it's just it's just really annoying with politics in the news in today's day and age. And everyone just pitted against each other and just yelling at each other. And I've gotten into plenty of arguments, if you can believe that, with friends and family. And so I just, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just not going to really pay attention to the news. These people on TV don't care about me. I don't care about them. Like, it's just better off for my well-being if I just don't do it. And it's almost starting to get that way with golf now. Like, and that's what I used to love about sports and the outlet of sports in golf. It wasn't that way. And and like now it is. Like, I mean, obviously I love golf. It's my profession, it's my hobby. And Next to my friends and family, it's probably the only other real thing in golf in, in the world that I freaking love is golf. But man, this sucks right now. This sucks. I hate it from the top to the bottom. I fucking damn it! I swore. I, I hate it. I it just it's just in me, guys. Sorry. You tell yourself that you aren't going to swear anymore on this podcast. No, just on this mass hole minute. I'm definitely going to swear. Yeah. So yeah, you you definitely ruined that. Golf golf's turning into politics. Right. It's these dumb arguments that everyone has to now pick a side, whether it's live, whether it's the PGA tour, whether it's the USGA and the rollback. It's like everyone has to go pick a side. Let's have these arguments that no one's ever going to change their mind and just yell and yell and yell instead of just enjoying the sport. And maybe I'm just naive that golf is the last of the sports to kind of play out this way. And there's a part of me that's a traditionalist and a part of me that's um, a purist. But man, what's frustrating is none of these people, just like the politicians, none of these people really fucking care about the fans or us, whether it's the executives, the players, the agents, the TV producers, the governing bodies, the sponsors, the investors now. None of us, none of them really care. I'm not sure how much they really care about the game of golf. It's about two things. It's about power and it's about greed. And I think for the most part, golf has done a good job until now of avoiding that. We've seen it a bunch in other sports. Golf has always been the gentleman's game, kind of pure, especially compared to the rest. And I feel like they're using the fans as like pawns in their game and pitting us against each other and not really caring about what any of us care or feel or want. And that's like, that's why we started this podcast. Yes, we all love this game, but we're fans. And yes, we all come from this industry in a various background. But at the end of the day, we're doing this because we're fans of the sport and we enjoy all aspects about it. And so Golf Digest, I started thinking about this. Golf Digest put out a uh, a post. It had like a bunch of pictures of past and present golfers, biggest names in in the game, game's history. And it said, which one of these players made you fall in love with the game? And I was like, none of them. My answer was not. Not a single one of those players made me fall in love with this game. You know who it was? It was my dad, my grandfather. It was my brother. Because I wanted to be them when I was a little kid. I wanted to emulate them. I didn't want to emulate 
Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer. I knew who they were, but it didn't really mean anything to me when I was a six-year-old, eight-year-old kid, right? I just kind of knew their names loosely because my dad, but I didn't care about professional golf when I was a little kid. When I started playing this game, I didn't get into this game because of the world of golf on TV as we see it. I loved it because I wanted to be with my my dad, my brother, and my grandfather and play with them, you know? And I think what I'm trying to say is all of this shit that's going on can't take away <laughs> why we like this game, why we love this game, why we play with this game. You know, even, you know, golf's in the biggest boom that we've seen because of COVID, right? And I've always, I've joked, the two biggest thanks we have as a golf professional is Tiger Woods and COVID-19, the best things that have ever happened to this industry. And I've been making this joke the last couple of years, but yeah, we'll find a way to fuck it up. Well, <laughs> I think we're fucking it up, people. And this goes for everyone, not like these executives or players are listening to this podcast. But guys, I think we're fucking it up. And yes, to, to all of our listeners, yes, the USGA is going to roll back your golf ball. And it sucks. And it's terrible. And I don't like it. Yes. Yes, I agree with rollback as it goes to the professional game. We've talked about that enough. But yes, it sucks for your games that you're going to have to hit the golf ball shorter. And we'll get into this more in depth in a little bit. But I want our listeners, because a lot of them are my members, a lot of them are potential members, and the people the, that buy shit and pay money to play this game that help support our industry so we can make a living, is I don't think the technology in the distance is why people fell in love with this game or why people is one of the small reasons why people play this game. It's there's a bunch of reasons, right? And people have different reasons for why they play this game, but it's being outside. It's hanging out with your buddies. It's having a drink. It's gambling. It's competition. It's a challenge in improving on a skill. It's hitting a flush iron. It's hitting a, a, a chip shot next to the hole. It's making long putt. So I think with all this shit's going on, in the world of golf that's just so negative and just has me down. I just I think we all need to go back to that. In the season of of giving here in the in the Christmas time, like let's just remember that and don't let this shit bug you cuz it's bugging me and hopefully it's not bugging you guys. But man, it's just I'm just depressed as can be right now. So, that was a pep talk to me as it was it was to you, but you know, there's a lot of hysteria going on in the world right now of golf. And people are yelling, oh, no, Liv's great, Liv's not, Liv sucks, PJ Tour sucks, this sucks, Jay Monahan sucks, the agents suck, the players are greedy, you know, blood money, USGA doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, RNA's a bunch of old guys. Like, there's all this kind of shit yelling around. I'm going to quit the game of golf, McLean. Like, we're not, don't quit the game of golf. There's way too many good things about the game of golf if you hit the ball five yards shorter. Like, just don't do it. To our listeners, to our fans, to our <laughs> members, to... Don't quit the game of golf. There's too much good about it. You know, I'm not going to let these greedy assholes control my enjoyment of the game. If I stop watching more golf, I stop watching professional golf as much. I'll still watch it. I might not watch it as much. Um, do I, if I'm going to hit the ball shorter, yeah, I don't hit a ball that far anyways, but it's not going to stop me from playing the game. There's way other good things about this game that is pure. And let's not get... Um, so worried about all this greed and power from these fucking knuckleheads um, that are the quote unquote power players in this game. So, amen. I'm done. Thank you for allowing me that uh, little soapbox to get on there. But, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, I think um yeah, I, I I didn't start playing golf, you know, because I was watching it on TV first. I grew up, you know, like you said, playing with my my father and and other other uh you know friends and family and just the challenge uh, you know that's that's what kind of enamored me with with golf and I played all the other sports growing up and then finally I kind of got introduced to this a little bit more as I got older into as a teenager and I was like man this is a this game's hard you know and it's like I want to figure it out I want to figure it out it was the challenge you know that's what I still have said to this day like that's what um, I th- I think that's what pulls people in. It's like this game, it's addicting, you know, it's, it's hard and you want to find a way to get, you can always get better. And the landscape is ever changing every day. The, the course is changing, you know, your parameters of a, of a football field are it's a hundred yards, the goalposts are 10 feet tall, um, you know, and basketball court is nine feet uh, or 94 feet long. And the, the, the goals are 10 feet tall. So it, it's, it's the same, every day whereas golf even if you're playing the same course every day uh the tee tee boxes are different the pin locations depending on what course you play (laughs) they change every day um so and that was that's the cool part like in the 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 wind can be different the you know the the grass can be everything can change every single day and i think that was that's what's cool about it it's like it it changes every day so the, the the challenge is always there um you know, one day you can wake up and everything's working. The next day you come out and you're like, I didn't change anything, but I'm hitting it terribly. And you're like, okay, well, what I, what do I have to do to get, get more consistent, get better? Um, so, and I, I'll hold on to that. You know, that's why I play. I don't play, like you said, I, if I don't watch professional golf, um, that's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, uh, yeah, rolling the ball back, I think, is a stupid idea. Uh, I still think it's stupid uh, to go backwards in this game. But if that's what they decide to do, then that's what they decide to do. Well, if we're all doing it, then we're all doing it. And we'll all hate it together, but it'll we'll move on because we like, we like playing. We like the challenge of golf. And now the challenge will be how can I play as good a golf as I played, you know, with with a with a different ball. Um so, but yeah, I, th- I think that challenge will always remain, um, and that's what that kind of pulls us in. And it only takes one good shot to keep you coming back, even if if it's with a ball that's much slower, which sucks. But <laughs> I don't disagree with anything that Mike said. I think ultimately he is correct that we are creating division in a sport that is based off of camaraderie and it's a very tough place to see the game go down a really a dark tunnel um we have more separation with live and pga tour and i'm not going into necessarily exactly my feelings on it but at the same time to create division isn't something that's better for the game to create division between this rollback deal it's not something that's better for the game my biggest issue from what i've seen is that decisions are being made without the greatest interest of the public at heart and at the end of the day the pga tour live golf everything else is nothing without public enjoyment in the game if you don't have golfers playing you don't have golfers watching if you don't have people enjoying the sport you don't have them supporting the professional tours of the game 
Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest thing that I, you know, whether, wherever you stand on any of these topics, I think there's just a lot of things that these guys, I'll use guys in quotes here, you know, whoever it is you want to talk about, just can't take away from us or this game. So, and I think I've like, I've gotten myself down this dark rabbit hole of like, man, this is like, you know, doomsday, like this blows. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a lot good about this that no one can take away. Three of us can go play golf tomorrow or in 20 years and no one can take that away from us. And I'm going to make a big putt on one of your asses at some point. And that's going to be enjoyable and no one can take that away. Right. And I just think there's so many good things about this game, which is why I, again, I made it my profession, (laughs) why it's my number one hobby. Um, And so, yeah, I guess, and I'm not trying to be, you know, sing kubaya here around a, around a fire at all, but Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's easy to be, but, I mean, in these in these dark holes, yelling about all this shit, and then just forget, like, hey, there's a lot of really good things about this game of why we really play and what we're talking about is a fraction of a fraction, or the the, the top one percent of the one percent, and um, so yeah. But something to be concerned about is the fact that you have three people, such as ourselves, that are very involved in this sport in various different ways, but still at the same time extremely or actually maybe that's not the best way to say it but a very integral part of our lives is what this game is for various reasons between the three of us the fact yeah, that I mean- we look at it and say we question the value and the entertainment value of the professional game makes me question what the novice amateur player looks at it how do we draw more players in? I had a conversation today with a very well-respected professional. Um, and one of the things that we took away from the conversation is that, you know, let's just say for some of the shorter, older hitters or, or older players that don't hit the ball quite as far, will give up the game without any real knowledge of how it affects them. Because in their mind, the perception is that they're going to hit it shorter. They're getting a little bit older and they have no interest in hitting the ball any shorter than they're already hitting it. Now, the affected result might not be that great for those players, right? It could be three to five yards. It might not be that great based off of the data that we've seen. At the same time, this is something to where all of a sudden, if people decided, like, look, once this happens, I'm gonna hang it up. You know, I'm, I don't want to hit the ball any shorter. Than I'm already hitting it. Doesn't make as much sense to me. And the fact of the matter is that if they really took the time and got on, you know, TrackMan for example, and looked at the data, it might not be that great of a difference. But the bad part is that there's a large conglomerate of people that aren't going to. There's a large number of people that are going to just take it at face value and say, you know what? Once this happens, I'm going to play for the next four or five years. And once this happens, you know, I'm 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 kind of done. And that in itself is a massive concern for the golfing community and the game that we love, especially at the club level. The fact that there's been a decision made that could deter people from continuing to enjoy this game into the later years of this life, which is one of the very few sports that you're able to do so. And again, it's not to say that they are actually going to face this massive difference but it's the perception that they might not give it a chance because there are a lot of players out there that put themselves in this position and they they are involved in the sport, 
but aren't going to go through the research and the testing to figure out what the delta is to what this has when it comes to affecting their daily enjoyment of the game. That, to me, is a big concern. There's a lot of players that we know that are less accomplished, that are not the longest players in the world, that won't get on a launch monitor because they don't even want to see the data. They're embarrassed by it. This deters them from wanting to continue that game. Um, and, and that's why that's why I kind of said what I said, not like, you know, we have the, world, the world's biggest audience by any means. Um, but, yeah, hopefully, yeah, people will realize, yeah, okay, it this might suck that I might hit it a little bit shorter. But it's not like the end of the world. It's not the only reason people play this game. And so hopefully they realize that there are other reasons that there are good other aspects of this game and that and that's why we play it absolutely distance absolutely. is one of a hundred it's but one of a hundred but if you the fact that if, decisions are being made that can deter people from starting the game deter people from continuing the game that's a miss i'm not even talking about the uh, rollback is one thing i'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole yet I'm I'm available though. Don't don't get me no, wrong. So let's let's let, so that I mean obviously the the rollback discussion is is on the talking points for tonight since um they officially announced their decision which we already knew all, all of it had leaked. There was nothing really too much other than one little nugget um that was surprising and what they came out with on this past Wednesday. But you know, Mike Wan and Martin Slumbers have been all over the place making the rounds. So, you know, their numbers um, and I, I heard a, I was listening to an interview with Mike Wan today, and they said they've tested it, and some of the manufacturers have already gotten them some sample balls, and they were testing. And so their numbers aren't as drastic as some of what we were hearing before. So you know they're telling the, the average male amateur that they're going to lose between five and seven. You know professionals going to be seeing between thirteen and and fifteen. They're saying that average you know male amateur will notice it with their driver, and by the time they get down to a five iron probably won't even notice it because of the the speeds that they're swinging at with a five iron or below. So what, what did you guys make if, if anything really different and you probably might not even have a different opinion um, than when we talked last week. My feelings are that there's no reason to make this move. There's no reason that when the game is at an all time high, we're seeing growth that we've never seen unprecedented growth, quite frankly, in the sport that any decision should be made to stagnate that growth. But that's what, well, happened. I mean, there would, there would never be a reason to do something like this, whether at this, whether no matter what state the game was in, if the state was, the game was in a bad state and people were fleeing like crazy, it wouldn't be a good time. If it was plateauing, it wouldn't be a good time because you're not getting more people. So there's so, never, so you agree the rollback is a bad thing. Yes, I do. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think it's a bad thing for the amateurs. Can we, can we all take a moment? I'm not sure what's different. I'm not sure what's different from what I said last week. Uh, where it comes down to, and again, not trying to beat this dead horse because we've we have certainly done it. We've put the horse in the ground at this point. But the fact of the matter is that this decision was made without the it's 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 affecting the point oh 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 one percent of golfers that they're trying to ultimately control. The decision was not made in the greatest interest of the general golfing public. It's not made in the greatest interest of new uh, players to the game. 
and it puts this it puts the sport in a in a very awkward light my honest opinion is that this is their rollback is going to be rolled back i i honestly don't think this thing over the next five years gets over the hump i think there will be too many companies too many people that get in the way of this i'm still baffled by the fact of how much data that was collected by manufacturers by media companies that not one of them that i'm aware of said that they were supportive of this decision and yet they still decided to go through with it it does not seem like this was something that went through the checks and balances of the entire golfing population to say this is better for everyone i mean they they listened and they talked to everyone that doesn't but, mean they agreed with everyone. Well, that, and some and sometimes on. and sometimes governing means doing things that most people disagree with. It doesn't mean it's always the wrong thing. I'm just playing. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know, I don't like it from an amateur side. I'm not going to have to say that again. You know, I do like it from the professional side. But when you govern, sometimes you have to make a decision that a lot of people will like. I mean, a lot of people will dislike. Almost all disliked, except yeah. them. Virtually all disliked. Yeah, I um, agree. Willing to bet that less than one percent were actually for this decision. Sure, I, I'm not saying I'm not arguing what the numbers are. I don't know what the numbers are, but, but that that's where I have a hard time saying where where it came down. I have a hard time with a governing body in a variety of different genres to say. All right, we listen to the public. We want to make a a decision that makes this better for the public. I don't feel like that was done. I don't feel no, like No, it never has. That's my issue with the USGA and that's my my whole issue with not having bifurcated rules is they make rules for the tour when it's affecting everyone else. The manufacturers were never going to allow bifurcated. Well, rules. I mean the I manufacturers of course, the manufacturers are going to be against it. I mean, what, what manufacturer is going to say this is a good idea? None. Yeah, what, exactly. But that's that. What they were, population said it was a good well, idea. If if you touch anything that they do, why would they? They're going. Of course, they're going to say no. So, well, that. But from I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's the most unbiased I'm, opinion you can talk about. You want to talk about the general public? That's fine. But the manufacturers. I don't, I don't disagree. But when you look at the big swinging dicks in the room. The manufacturers are a part of that. From what I understand, from what I've been told, the manufacturers were against bifurcation throughout. Through Not all of them. Callaway wasn't. Callaway and Shrixon both came out and said they were okay with bifurcation. Uh, where, where, where are they on the ball market? I know. Maybe, maybe that was a reason why. Maybe they thought bifurcation helped their ch- chance for them to, to move up. What are they, yeah. four and five, McLean? Hold on. No, Callaway's... Uh, Kelly was two, I think. Two or three. Well, it depends on what what you depends on how you want to bring it down. Depends on how you want to bring it down. Just general public or what they play on tour. I saw something different. I'm trying to look at. Well, I mean, back to your point, uh, Mike, in terms of the doom and gloom with the the state of of. Kelly was for bifurcation, Mike. You are correct. You know, I think you can have an you can have an opinion on this, and I think, uh, but for both of you guys, I think. 
it, it's just like any other with politics in general. You you get worked up and you get upset about it. And why would you get upset about a decision from a governing body that's that's out of your control? You would get upset because it's hitting you at home. It's hitting your pocket. You guys are in the golf industry. So if you're looking for an opportunity or if or if this creates an opportunity where you have less people playing golf, that's not good for you. Correct. Personally. And and I and I would if I were you guys, I would be upset about it. McLean, if I were in golf sales and I'm trying to sell golf balls and golf clubs and they they pull this, I would be pissed too. I would I would have that that strong of an opinion on it because it's gonna it could effectively hit you, you know, like you said, in terms of growing the game, getting more people in, involved in the game, more people playing means more clubs sold, more golf balls sold. And Mike, for you, more people playing golf means more more people joining your club, the health of the club. So this decision does hurt a lot of people in the golf industry, but just in terms of just playing golf, it's not going to hurt me. To pl- I'm going to play golf. It's going to suck for a couple months to get used to playing a ball that's short. And I still, you know, as we said, I don't think, I think there were plenty of other ways to, to kind of slow this down other than to take the golf ball and go backwards. But uh, again, it's not, I'm still going to go play. Um, and I'm not as passionate about it as, as you guys, because it's uh, it's not hitting me in my pocket. It's not it's not my career anymore. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's stupid, but I'm gonna still play. But if I were in your shoes, I would be pissed. I would be mad about it. Like McLean, I would be I would be furious because I your job is to grow the game because that's in turn gonna help you and your family. And I I would be pissed about it too. I think it's if if I were you, I would I would be standing on top of a mountain. Screaming. Well, well, what I, what I will say is that I actually stand to benefit in my current situation um, because of the rollback, without question, because I don't work for a cushion app. Um, and they're at the top. The only you feel like the only place they can go is is backwards. I, I the the way it sits right now is that or even I, if you just cut I, into I work their for lead. a company that could produce the best rollback golf ball, and all of a sudden I could be rolling in it. On the back side of that, and my company has come out with a very a, a great statement behind this is that we are committed to innovation, um, but we believe that the rollback is simply disconnected from what golfers believe is the best for the game. So from where from where we sit, there is an opportunity for us to really take over that premium ball market by having the best rollback golf ball. On the back side of that. Our biggest concern, and I'm not at liberty to talk for my company, and I'm not identifying it in this format. On the back side of that, though, from what I understand, and the reason I love the company that I work for is that we are committed to innovation, even though this provides an opportunity for us to become a bigger, a higher market share in the premium ball market. We don't believe that this is best for the golfing public. And that's one of the reasons I'm so proud to work for this company, because at the end of the day, this is something that, quite frankly, is the reason that other companies took the standpoint that they did versus some others to say, hey, we don't necessarily think this is best. We think that we want to continue to compete with the best products that we can possibly make versus having to roll back our innovation um, to... Any sort of other standard. So at the end yeah. of the day, like as the dust settles, um, whatever you want to say. Yeah. 
but if you, if, you, if you do the if you do the math and like you said if this is going to deter people from playing golf let's just say You're i mean right. how many how many, yeah. how many yeah. people play golf right now in the about world 30 million 25 million. Oh, 30 million. about 30 about 30 million in the in the states let's just stick with the states if if 30 million people play in the states and you guys have uh you know you have an opportunity to even the playing field in terms of the ball share but if you only have 15 million people playing, great point. Great the difference. Point. You're still going to be losing money in the grand scheme of things, not just great golf ball, but golf clubs. The whole, if you look at the whole, the grand scheme of things, less people playing is bad for anyone in the golf industry, whether you have an opportunity with, you know, get a market share with the golf ball, less people is, is not good. So, you know, I think they're always going to take that stance. Anytime you make a change that's going to deter people from playing, yeah, that's we don't agree with that because it's not good for anyone in the golf industry. Um, but Great again, point. if you're already if you're already there and you don't care, um, then you're going to play regardless. But like we've talked in the past, it, it may or may not affect people. It may be people that are on the fringe as this thing starts to roll out and like, oh man, I don't want that, that, that ball doesn't go very far anymore. I, I, I'll go do something else. You know, maybe that happens. We don't we don't know. We won't know for six years until or five years until that kind of all shakes down. But I don't think if it is a deterrent for people to play golf, then it's then it's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. I agree. So I mean, Jay, what, you're right to that point. You are right to that point. And don't don't call me a conformist for saying this or in massive support of the USGA. But one thing I will say is I think the equipment aspect of the game of golf is a little overblown because I would say in the last 20 years, we've seen the biggest innovative boom in technology than we've ever seen the only reason people started playing more golf in 2020 not because of technology because of covid we were seeing a steady decline in golfers and rounds of golf since 2004 we had a boom with tiger woods that subsided and technology was going skyrocketing distance was skyrocketing in the last 20 years but rounds were going down until covid so that doesn't correlate with how far we're hitting the ball. Technology is what everyone's chasing and wanting in rounds of golf. That, I will just say that. So the, from, a participation, from, a, from yeah. a participation standpoint, the technology boom that we were seeing, which is why the USGA and RNA is doing this, was not keeping people in the game. Yeah. I, I, just, I just will say that. So... Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I agree. Point, I, I, we don't, we won't know what because it's one thing to not have to not go backwards and to and to not be able to compare the the numbers. I mean, there's a lot of other factors that go into why people weren't playing during. Sure, there's that a ton time of factors of I'm outside just saying. of just technology, um, but we've never really had an op. We've never there hasn't been an opportunity where we have gone backwards with any equipment either. So. This is kind of uncharted territory. We don't sure. know what that's going to do. Yep, it may or may not make a difference. Um, uh, I, I don't think it's going to help it, no matter what. I don't. No, think I do think it's. I do think it's play. a big. It's a big gamble. Yeah. That yeah, the other fact, the other facets of golf overrain this. But again, I I do think some of the technology aspect and and distance aspect is, is a little bit overstated because again, people are hitting the ball further. Now and, and until COVID, that we had way less golfers than we did in 2004, and way less rounds of golf. And so, but people were hitting it way further in 2019 than they were in 2004. Yeah, across Tiger, the board. 
he was, <laughs> they were talking, I guess they interviewed him at the hero and he was like, I'm hitting it 20 yards further now than I was in my prime, obviously different driver. Now, granted, he kind of used, he used some outdated he was technology. A slow adopter. He was a slow adopter. He was still using a 43 and a half inch steel shaft in his driver when other guys were using graphite and, you know, 45 inch, you know, uh, drivers, he still played a real spinny ball even then and still does when other guys had kind of made that switch in the early two thousands. Um, but and the one thing I'm curious to see, I know I, I sent you guys that, that little excerpt from Michael breed, they had done some testing and and they were saying that the, the testing the ball at one twenty five. Um, the ball speed at 125, it's going s- s- slower than uh, a, a Titleist Professional 90, you know, back in the mid mid 90s. It's going slower than that ball, which so I think that's false. It, so, based it, off, it, of, I, I'm, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know where he got that information from, yeah. but if that's the case, that's a huge, huge drop off. Um, so I've, I've tried to read a lot over the last week and I've listened to multiple interviews with. Juan and slumbers and I wish I wrote this down um I was in the car though when I when I was listening to uh, Michael Juan and I like I can't remember there was about three different podcast interviews I listened to Juan on I can't remember which one this was from um but he actually said there is uh, a handful again I, I don't know if you use the word handful but there are some balls that tour professionals have used in the last 10 years that would still pass I'm very interested to see what that looks like. So that, that so that, the professional comment would well. be like that doesn't seem right then. Like the the the, the tour. Well, but you got to think about it. The professional ninety was tested with inferior equipment versus what they have now. So I think that's where that comes from because that ball at that time was being tested with a titanium driver of what like 360 cc somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, but we also don't know what. What where breeds getting this information? Where the yeah. data they're from? Oh, what was a I've, was I've someone did someone put numerous. the professional on a current driver? Did someone? You yeah, know. yeah. I, I I don't disagree with you. I am very interested because they I did hear also that there are some balls in play currently that will not need to be changed. Well, so I think I heard the number was thirty percent of current balls in the market. That doesn't mean premium tour golf balls, but thirty percent of balls in the market would still pass. And I want to know what those skews are. Yeah, what balls are those? <laughs> I want to know what they are because it. And here's the one thing I'll say. And look, I, I am one to stand up and say when I am wrong. But if there are some tour balls in play from major manufacturers. That do if and I'm looking at you know the the slower the spinnier options from some of the major manufacturers. If those are and I've played some of them and I think they're good balls, maybe this isn't as big of an issue as it is. I don't know that at this point, but I am willing to say that I'm interested. Um, I, I want to know what that looks like. I want to know what those skews are. What are the differences? I mean, I, I know the difference in some of the balls that I play. And there's a reason I choose certain balls and especially in certain conditions. There's a chance. And look, I'll see this from both sides of the fence here. There's a chance that there's a ball that I've played that does conform. And if, if it's not that, if I I don't notice that massive a difference, maybe this isn't as destructive as it, it seems it could be. 
But on the backside of that, I hate taking away. I think all of us agree at the end of the day, stop it where it currently is. Stop it where it currently is. Don't let it go any further. I think everyone on this podcast agrees that that's the best scenario here. It's not necessarily rolling it back. It's saying where it is is good. We don't want to go any further. Um, let's. I would let's, say that for the amateur game, yes. I'd say it for the professional game. I'd also say let's throw some trees in there and grow the rough up. What do you think about that, Mike? That's <laughs> like the worst possible argument in this whole thing with people who it's roll really back. The, but it's really the best. It's, it's the really worst the possible argument you can have. But it's not. Um, and I, and so I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna kind of pat myself on the back because I predicted this and then Mike Wan confirmed it with his interview on the Golf Channel when they made the announcement on Wednesday. He was said he was talking to a tour pro who was pissed about the decision, you know, leading up, and he's like, Mike, you know, we're gonna get all this distance back. We're gonna find a way, whether it's physical fitness or whatever, we're gonna find a way to get this distance back that you're taking from us. And Mike Wan said, yep, absolutely. I know that. We knew that going into it. And basically admitted that this is a stop gap. This is a temporary rollback, knowing that everyone, and probably by the time this thing comes about in 2028, these guys are going to be hitting it further and further and get a lot of this distance already back and maybe a few years later. But Juan's, Juan and Mike Slumbers have been from the get-go. And I'm I'm now focusing a little bit more on the professional game, have 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 said, we can't do, nothing is not an option. And they said, yeah, so if we can slow it down for a little bit, and in 25 years, 15, 20, 25 years, we're at the distance we're at now, then they would feel like they've done a good job where they didn't let it get out of hand. Because distance has been growing on the PJ Tour about an average of one yard per year. So in 20 years, it's going to be insane how far these guys would be hitting it if we just kept at the one yard average per year increase. What my issue is, is ultimately looking at the, the greater benefit and looking at the actual players themselves, the largest percentage of the population. And one of the beautiful things about golf you don't have to be the most physically fit human being to go out and enjoy this game. And we're making it harder on them because I can tell you right now, there are a lot of players out there that pay the bills at variety of different clubs. Sure, You're talking AMs. I was really talking make. professionals. I get that. But the professionals are not the biggest issue here. The AMs are the biggest issue because ultimately the professionals represent a fraction of a fraction of a percentage that actually I, I agree. I agree. So why are we making it harder for the guys because to pay all pe- the bills? Because, because I can people can't get the their head wrapped that, around different rules. But that's the beauty of the sport. You know, I talked with a, a again, I talked with a great, very well-respected PGA professional today. They said, you know, one of the beauties about what we do, I took some members down. They had the driver that Rory played with. They had the ball that Rory played with. And we played the ocean course at Kiwa Island. And they got to step up there and they got to choose where they wanted to play from. But they felt like the only thing that was different was the guy standing behind the golf ball. But they got to have that exact same experience and feel like they had everything the exact same. That's being taken away with bifurcation. That's being taken away 
um the enjoyment wise because yeah you're right what what i would say is that the average tour pro that doesn't have a regular job and works out nonstop and plays every day will eventually be able to get this distance back you know who won't 99.9 percent of the golfing population there are 175 guys out there on the pga tour per year 175 guys represents a fraction of your membership at your one club in virginia and what that does is it affects the guys that actually put the money in the barrel, the guys that are watching that event on one given hole of a PGA tour event, a quality PGA tour event around the green has more than 175 guys. And these, this is affecting them negatively. This is not affecting the PGA tour pro quite as much because they have the time they can work out. They can get in better shape. They can choose to eat better. They can choose to spend this time in the gym. They they don't have to, you know, go to work all day, come home, be a family man, um, take care of their kids, make dinner, put dinner on the table, and then ultimately then go and still be competitive, then go and have a deterrent to go and enjoy this game from the amateur side. The biggest fault is the amateurs. I'm not a fan of bifurcation, but the biggest fault is that we're not protecting the greater good of this game. Everything is funded by the amateurs. Every part of this game is funded by the amateur game. The people who watch it spend money to to go see events, spend money on equipment, spend money on memberships is the amateur game. We're trying to make decisions based off of the top 0.0001% that play this game. We have 25 or 30 million golfers in the country, and we're making a decision on the top, even include the Corn Ferry Tour. We're making a decision on the top 400 golfers in the world. We're not making a decision on the top 400 golfers at your club. How many clubs in the Richmond area have more than 400 members? Almost all of them, except for us. So we're talking about a, a, a one city that I would argue, knowing my my knowledge of that it has eight to 10 clubs at over 400 members. At one golf course, one golf course, Country Club of Virginia has three. I know. I, I, I get. I get your point. Again, I. I we're I, just not making decisions on the people who support this game. I, I understand that, and again, I, I, we're not going to get down this huge rabbit hole because we're well into this podcast, and we got a bunch of other topics to discuss. But again, um, I would. I, I digress. One, one thing uh, that I that that's kind of bugged me <clears throat> going backwards. I mean, obviously, we know the two biggest components of uh, in the last 25 years that have led that have led to the to the the boom the distance boom and it's not guys are getting bigger faster stronger they are but they've always gotten bigger faster stronger for the last 60 years 70 years 80 years guys are getting better sport. more efficient i mean that that didn't just start happening 20 years ago i mean maybe a small amount when with tire people thinking they need to work out but the guys have gotten longer from the from the previous group that's 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 a a, a normal uh, progression that's always happened yeah. but the the difference has been the driver and the ball so in my opinion the, the mistake was that the USGA let the driver get as big as it got let the length of the shaft get as long as it got they let the ball change and now they and now they I wish they would just say hey you know what we blew it we made a mistake we we should have changed this I just want them to admit that they. I think they, they always have. Wanna, I've never heard them say, "Hey, we I mean, blew." I think it. they. I think they loosely have, but just because someone made a mistake twenty years ago with people who no longer are there, 
no one at the RNA and USJ for the most part are these people that made that decision 20 years ago. So to Still say the same organization, that's that's all we can go on. Yeah, but, yeah. They're, but they're different people. So to say an organization makes a mistake and then 20 years later, new people come about and say, we're going to try to fix this mistake. I'm not sure that's wrong either. No, I mean, versus just letting it keep going that I think I I wouldn't say let it keep going. I I mean, I I think but again, it's it's the fact of the matter is that they they're the ones who let this get to this point in the first place. Um, Sure. But there has been no admission of guilt here and saying, like, we approve this. We let this happen. Um, And now and now they obviously are trying to do what they can. They're scrambling and going, you know, going backwards. I mean, why? What was why? Why didn't they they bring up the driver? Why didn't we go back and say, "Hey, let's shrink the driver, let's make the driver well, smaller"? But, okay, but wouldn't that be a rollback? Everyone would be pissed at that too. It, yeah, it would be. It would be. But that's what I mean. Why? Why wouldn't they? What was the difference between going back with the driver? Well, so what I that rather than than what the ball. I, what I have heard is this was the easiest solution because what Juan has said is to make any kind of significant in or I should say decrease with the driver in distance they would have had to make it so much smaller and change the characteristics that they would then also have to change the characteristics of fairway woods and hybrids as well. And so instead of changing three or four clubs in people's bags, they're now just going to change one piece of equipment to golf ball. Yeah. But what's the more permanent change? That's if, if, if they've even admitted that, Hey, this is just a stopgap. It's going to keep going. What's going well, to be I the think, long lasting change? Is it shrinking the driver, shrinking the three wood? I think well, they're, they're, they're the going to they're going to look at the driver next. So one of their things in the announcement is there, and allegedly they actually said this came about from some players and manufacturers about um, what they're calling the driver creep of the CT. Without getting into minutia of the spring like effect of the ball coming off the face. The ball's allowed to sit on that face for a certain number of milliseconds before it springs off. I think it's like 257 or 260, something like that is the limit. And what some of these people are seeing is the more some of these guys use these drivers, that actually that number creeps higher and higher and higher as they use it. So they test it and it's legal and it creeps higher and higher and higher as they use it. And they're actually... Guys have had and Tiger, the Tiger, uh, Rory talked about this this past year, where he had a driver pulled out of his bag because when they tested it, it was ahead of the because he had used it so much, and it's actually creating more spring-like effect. So the USGA is going to and players don't want that to happen. They don't want a driver pulled out of their bag. The manufacturers don't want to have drivers being pulled out of people's bags or even not passed in the first place. So it looks like at least they didn't say they're going to change the metrics, but they're going to change how strict they are testing it more and more and more and actually use the driver more when someone gives them a prototype driver to test before it goes on the conforming list that anyone can play, that they're going to look to see um, if they can make that number a little bit tighter, I guess, so that there isn't that creep that turns drivers from legal to illegal. But I think they are going to keep looking at other things. I think right now they're like, we have to do something. This is the easiest, quickest, and minimally invasive way of doing it right now. And they're going to keep looking at other things. That's just my hunch based on what I've read and heard and seen. I I hit one of my drivers from the same ball. I used a, a, a ball from today, and I hit one of my drivers from 25 years ago. And it's like 40 yards difference. 
I mean, it's yeah. not even close, not even close. So again, if that's their true intent, like then fucking rip the bandaid off and do it. Like just fucking, if you're going to roll back, fucking roll back, make it a say, Hey, sorry, industry. If you're going to, if you're going to screw everybody, then just do it. Take the, drop it back to 200 cc's for a driver and 150 for three woods and just go and and then change the ball and then let's let's see what happens rather than this you're like you're, you're just slowly peeling the band-aid and ripping all the hairs off one by one um you know it's just it again they're the ones who kind of let that they're they're the governing body they're the ones who kind of let this even get to this point and now it's like oh yeah we're gonna do this one little thing here but it's not gonna last so it's like all right well then just do it if you're gonna well, know, i don't think they've gotten, back, I don't think they've gotten get, where they want get to it out of the that. way i don't know they've gotten where they want to with exactly. testing and data and how exactly to change the club head the driver without you know so again i think it's coming i think right now they're like we gotta do something fast now you know, they've been studying yeah. this for years. Again, I'm I'm not a spokesman for the USGA. Okay. I'm just trying to answer yeah. some questions and in, in uh, on on occasion here play a little devil's advocate with some things. Um, because I do think there's some valid points that they make. Do I think there's some valid points that they they miss? Yes. Um, and again, I, I don't know how many times I have to say it, but I disagree with them changing the amateur game. Um so Let's uh let's let's move on. We've we've talked about this enough. We're already an hour into this podcast, and we still haven't gotten to about three quarters of the new news cycle from this past week. So, um, something else that no one ever disagrees on: live golf. John Rom to live golf is official. The worst kept secret. Uh, we have talked about it. I think last two weeks on this podcast, it is made official. He signs. Uh, we still don't know what he's making. There's been all kinds of reports from 300 to 600 I've seen. Um, and how is that structured? How many years? These golfers are nice now. They're not even like other, other athletes. They're getting contracts like other athletes, but they don't have to disclose what their contract is. So we can't uh, we can't break them down like Shohei Otani or Patrick Mahomes or all these other people. They want to get paid like them, but then we can't find out what their contract is either. So um, they get they get played both sides of the fence, which is nice. So uh john rom goes on fox news look, looks like a uh, hostage um i think he was being held at gunpoint answering these questions in his fucking letterman jacket <laughs> that jacket was awful uh <laughs> and john rom is a massive liar and or hypocrite he has lied to us at some point over the last two years either he lied to us in the fox news interview or he lied to us over the last two years with all the comments he's come out with against live so it's it, plain and simple, and there's no changing my mind on that. You can you you hear obviously you saw Freddie Couples his comments on that, you know, kind of like, oh, 100 is yeah. not good enough, 200 is not good enough, you know, 300 is not good enough, but 400, oh, now we're yeah, going to try you, to grow the game. Yeah, now you love the <laughs> format. Now you, all of a sudden you you say two a year and a half ago, you say 54 holes, shotgun start, no cut is not a tournament. I'm not, not interested in that. Yeah. Well, hey, John, and then you come out on Fox News and you say, oh, man, I just love how innovative they are in the format. And the- Nothing's changed in two years. They have not changed your format since they started, John, and you didn't like it two years yeah. ago. So what has changed? The money anyone has changed. Would have, and I don't think anyone would have faulted John Rahm if he had just come out and said, you know, look, I didn't, I wasn't in favor of this tour. I didn't like the format, but they're paying me a lot of money. And I mean, if he just... Was just straight up and honest. I'd be like, "Hey, man." <laughs> right. Well, and also, if he would have, if he would have said a million or whatever it is, yeah, that's good. You just just tell it like it is. 
I, I have to believe part of this decision is obviously money related, but I also think there's a little bit that might be part of he doesn't trust Jay Monahan. He doesn't like the direction the PJ Tour is going. He he feels undervalued. Maybe he feels like his opinion's not as valued as as Tiger and Spieth and Rory. And I would have rather him say that. Say, hey, listen, they just give me a boatload of money. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the world of professional golf. It's on thin ice right now. I'm not happy with what's going what I on. Can. I, I'm not going to. You know, I don't like what's going on in the PGA Tour, so I'm going to get what I can now, and we'll see what happens in the future. I say that if you're pissed at what's going on in the PGA Tour, because I think that has to play a little bit of a role in this. Sure, just, just say it. Put these yeah. guys under I the agree. fire. Like say it. Like Harold Bonner did. He was like, "Look, guys," he was like, "I left because they're paying me a lot of money," and I think everybody was like, "Hey, man, oh, good for you. At least you're honest and just sell it, say it like it is." I don't think anybody would. Would follow you for taking that much money, especially in Harold Varner, Harold Varner's yeah. uh, situation. But just don't um, spout the the live bullet point talking points that we've heard from two years. Like, because John Rom, one of the things I liked about John Rom is when he got in front of a microphone in a press conference, he was thoughtful. He usually gave you some different opinions. He was his own guy. He thought his own way. He cared about what he was saying. At least it seemed like to me. And then, like, the guy that I watched on Fox News was a different guy. It was not the John Rom that we're used to seeing. And yeah. you, like, strip the guy of what makes him, you know, charming to an extent of, yeah. hey, I, I kind of wanted to hear what he had to say about various topics. It didn't always agree with me the last three, four, five years. But, but it was genuine. But yeah, it was genuine, was, and he yeah. was himself, and he wasn't trying to be fake. And now he's out there. Oh yeah, it's you know really innovative, and I want to grow the game in front of a large audience. What large audience? No one watches it. More people watch Gossip Girls and live golf in the United States. So like, uh, you know, it's just it's it's frustrating. The good news is Tony Finau staying. There was a bunch of reports that he's he was going, and even Finau's comments at the Grant Thornton this past week made it sound like he was going. Um, what? Yeah. What were those comments? What did he say? He just was. He was denying making a comment, but just not in the right way. Like, oh, do you have anything to say about the rumors? He goes, no, not right now. Well, like, it he, sounds like he, he never, he never. I don't think they got the money right for him. Said, I don't think they got the money right for him, especially with coming out with what they're paying John Rahm. And ultimately, I I truly believe that it was very close, but he wanted a lot more money based off of what Rahm's reported figure was. And ultimately, if it came down, it was eighty five or whatever it was, and we eighty five number I saw, yeah. That that's the number we saw, but we don't know any legitimacy to that. So yeah, Finau, out of that for Finau, for Finau, but Finau, I'm sure believes he's as good a player as John Rahm is. Forget the results behind it. In golf, we all believe that we're the best player, right? Sure. You got to you have to believe arrogant, that. You're there's an arrogance to a good player, no matter where it comes from. Jay, I know you'll agree with me on that. Yes, yeah, so, you, you have to, and you could make I mean, an you argument have to that, think that you can beat has, anybody. You can make an argument that Fino might actually have more fans than John Rahm, too. Oh, 100%. And I feel like Fino, so here's the, here's the difference. For John Rahm, let's say it is $600 million. John Rahm cannot make that much on the PJ Tour. He can't. Not a, not a chance. He doesn't have the sponsorship behind him. He's not as likable as a Fino is. Fino looks at $85 million and goes, man, I can do that probably staying here. You know, I bet Fino was looking for $150, $200. He was like, yeah, I'll jump, but for 150, 200. And they said, We're, we think you're 85. And he goes, dude, I can probably do that staying here. So I think that played and, into a big part of that consideration. 
Yeah, any, you're right. I think any, you're probably any, right. Any pro- probably could, depending on, especially if John Rom leaves and a couple other guys leave, and there's less guys to compete against. Well, I mean, he's a good so likable. He's such a great family man. He can I, make I don't, so much in endorsements versus a John Rom. John Rom is a great player without question. He's not that likable though. Like, he, and he's not. A, he's not a. And from a market from marketability standpoint, I mean, he's not like a super fit guy. None of the clothes fit him well. I mean, I know that sucks to even bring that up, but it does make a difference. Yeah, like, true. if if a, if a clothing company is going to come to you and say, "Hey, I want you to wear our stuff," but it's like, "Oh man, this is like really." We would need the real fit guy to wear this stuff. And you're, I mean, you're a big, strong guy, but you're not like the, he's you're not the fit guy. awful in Travis. Tony, Tony's a, da- Tony's a dancer good. and he's got more charisma he, and more personality. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, Rom has not looked good in the um, Matthew equipment or Matthew clothing since he's been a part of that conglomerate. It, he just, he just hasn't. Um, so yeah, that could play a part, of, but he's just, he's not as marketable. He doesn't stand the ability to generate that much revenue based off of that. Um, yeah, I did. See, I need to. I'm y'all go ahead because I, I got something I want to bring up that I looked. At. Actually, no, I can't. Never mind. Conflict of interest. <laughs> um, um, I uh, did. Did you see this article or this clip? Um, I'm sure you did. From uh, it was a live golfer and former Ryder Cup teammate of Rory's. All the the excerpts. Did you read that? Mm-hmm. I I do want to read this. It's pretty funny. So I did, I did see that. Go ahead and read it. The guy from the the founder and CEO of Whoop came out and said that was false. But yeah, I'm sh- why wouldn't he say that was false? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it makes him look like an idiot. But it, again, this is just one opinion or or one person's uh, opinion that that is close to Rory, um, you know, European player. Uh, I should have well, yeah, yeah, Lee Westwood. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was about to. Say, I was about to say it's got to be. I'm reading this and I'm thinking this is Ian Poulter, but yeah. maybe Westwood, <laughs> maybe Westwood gets a it's you know gets too. a gets a little courageous when you know it's it, no one knows no camera on him and no one knows who it is. But this is what they said: um, F Rory. I'm so sick of hearing about how he's some kind of hero who is saving golf. He's bought and paid for like everybody else. It's just that his money is coming from the other side. Did did you know that when when Whoop wanted to do a deal with the PJ Tour, the tour insisted that Rory be one of the endorsers. He was giving a he was given a ten million dollar equity stake that is now worth two hundred million. How do you think he's got his own deal with NBC? The tour brokered that too. The tour is so reliant on Rory. Now they've given him his own league, the TGL, even though it will compete with the tour for viewers and advertisers. Rory's fighting so hard for the tour because he wants to preserve his revenue streams, not because he cares about the tour itself. That he is being held up as some kind of savior on Twitter and by all the fanboys with their shitty podcasts tells you how little people understand what's really going on. Uh, end quote. I, I guess we don't last comment. What's that? Yeah. No. I take offense to the shitty podcast comment. <laughs> Fanboys in the shitty podcast. Yes, that's us, but I take offense to it. I do take offense to that. But I mean, <laughs> definitely, definitely in Bolter. It's got to be in Bolter. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I don't want to, I don't want to troll too hard, but I, I, uh, that's who I would, that's who I would say. But anyway, I mean, and it, I would, I know there's probably some stuff that are that in there that are that are being stretched, but yeah, there's probably where where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, I'm pretty sure that some of that stuff is true. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna spit off 
four or five facts and all of them be blasphemy. You know, like there's got to be some validity to some of that in some way, shape or form. But um, in another way, I, I, and honestly, I'm kind of okay with it, right? If we're trying to get these top guys more money, the tour clearly doesn't have it to give them. So if they're trying to take care of the guys that are helping them and scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. What? Yeah, what, no, what's I'm, wrong? I'm not, what's wrong with it? Like the live guys. I'm not saying it's to... bad. I'm just, yeah. I just, I just think that it's just funny to to hear a different side of it too, because I, 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 I agree. Like I don't, I do think that just like we were talking about earlier, you're gonna, you're when you're called to action, you're gonna act on how it's hitting your pocket, your family, your life, and when it comes to money, uh, just like these guys are jumping to live, it's no, it's really no different. Yeah, like these guys are jumping to live tour because that's my only option to make a couple hundred million. And for Rory, I have to be the savior. It's going to suck. I'm going to look like a a jackass if it gets exposed. But this could be potentially two, three hundred million for me mm-hmm. to stay here. So yeah, everyone's he, making he really their gamble. No what's di- best for them? He's no different than these guys that are that are going to live. He's just he's just on the on the side that that seems to be uh, the mo- more popular side. I just love that Rory's now back on back on Twitter, fighting people. It's great. He hasn't been on Twitter in years, and now he's back on fighting people. Oh, is he really? Yeah. So there was, you know, he did an interview with I think I don't know if it was the BBC or Sky Sports, and you know made a comment like now that John Rom's gone, that the Ryder Cup's going to have to look at changing the qualifications because he's like John Rom will be at Beth Page in twenty twenty five. Who said so? Who said I'm sorry? Rory said that, like John Rom will be on the team in 2025. Like the European Tour is going to have to look at changing qualifications. And so that someone was made very a very interesting take because it was like, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah, I it was a little contradictory thought... to what he said, and someone called him out on that. And he said, um, someone was like, oh, it's funny now that they want he wants them to you know change the rules when he didn't before for the other guys. And yeah. he was like, we didn't need those other guys. We need <laughs> John Rom on this team and then rory has been like he's all in on the on the Ryder cup like i mean yeah, then, he was crying and sobbing two years ago like he is all over this thing like he he is he's in he, it he took a shot at henrik someone was like oh well then it's funny you didn't say this to keep you know henrik's captaincy and he goes henrik stenson going to live and losing his captaincy was the best thing that ever happened to the 2023 european team and it was. They won. <laughs> yeah. So and then then Poulter fired back at him and because him Westwood. and Hen- Poulter, Westwood, and Henrik are all butt buddies. Yeah, they're all tri captains of the my majestics that we'll, we'll get and to them that in team, a second. That team looks terrible, by the way. I, oh. I was looking at the rundown and the slots that are open. I, I saw that team. I'm like, old, 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 not good. Yeah, like yeah, that's pretty like, much it. I, I, I mean, how are you guys? Well, I mean, if we want you guys to, are we can... all in your mid forties and you want to compete against John Rom and like, are you kidding me? They were slow to the punch. I mean, there's been some trades made. I mean, this is how serious the live golf team thing is because it's unbelievable. Like they'll tell you, even though the purse is about a quarter of the size of the individual purse on live, the number one player that just won their championship, Taylor Gooch, just got traded straight up for Matt Wolf who I'm not sure will be playing golf in a year. And never mind, And he could be go- not playing golf in six months. The guy's awful. He doesn't. He likes team golf, and he can't even get going on live with a free check. 
Like, if you guys want us to take your team golf seriously, maybe don't trade the number one player in the league that just won it straight up for a guy who finished like 35th. Like, I mean, I, I, I still think that the idea, idea of having the team golf is, I think it's cool. It's different. I just think it's very unorganized at the moment. Like if, if, if there was some structure to it, if there were some serious rules in place, like, Hey, we've got this player, we can buy this player. We're going to buy his contract out. Like there's just no rules and no one knows what's going on. If they, well, and they haven't they told get, any of the public or the media, what the rules are. They don't tell you what, Someone said, "Oh, so and so declined a contract with this team and went to that team." I don't—I forget who it was. I'm like, "Well, what? But like, what were the like? I want if this is like the hut stove, like it is in MLB baseball right now. Let's find out. Let's, you know, the Mets offered this player two hundred million dollars and he turned it down to go sign with this team for two fifty. Like, let's let's find out the numbers. Tell us the contracts. Tell like, let's make this like a real sport. Like, if you want to make it a team sport, let's make it like a real team sport." And then people, I don't if you, disagree if you, with that because that's what you, they're trying to accomplish. So go ahead and publicize it. Let's go ahead and hear about yeah, it. Publicize it. Publicize it. Because if you start yeah, to I publicize agree. it, then people could get it kind of like we're we're getting into the politics of the of of the tour. You know, like, oh, oh, this guy's gonna sign for this. Oh, let's see what's the news, what's happening. Like, but if you don't, if we if we're in the dark on everything, then it's like, okay, well, no one knows. Like I, there's it's not even worth following. Yeah. Part of this so stuff they, with team just, sports is like they're just unorganized they need somebody they need somebody in there that knows what the hell they're doing and that can give some clarity for the fans if you want people to follow your tour give us the rules give us the regulations give us the the standard and then okay i'll get into it but right now i I, we don't have it I, i i do think that the team thing could could be cool i really still think that it could be a cool thing especially if if you did it based on like a geographical like area or country or city like because my boys we were talking about it my boys are 10 and 7 and we were looking at the list and like oh well what what city do they play for i'm like it's no city it's just a weird name like that's it but there were they they have they saw sergio they saw spaniards like oh is that spain and i'm like no it's not spain it kind of is but it's not but if it was, if like if the, if these were the Spaniards and this was the the Spanish team, I mean, just think how many people would get in Spain. Like every single person in that country would be all over that team, you know, for the most part, as as, yeah. as much and as then, it could be. Like the fun part about team sports is the off season when there are trades and signings, and then you critique them, right? As a fan, oh man, mm-hmm. they gave up way too much to get that guy in that trade, or man, that contract, what that's a steal. Like they're gonna like. They got him part on a team-friendly deal, and like we don't know any of that stuff right now. It's just like so, just made up and on the fly. And we're like, yeah, right, how do you I mean, what to do take you, it seriously? What do you like to do when you talk about the any Boston sport? What what do you do? You say they did this, or do you say we did this? Say we. You say we. Like everybody when they're pulling for their team, like oh, we signed this guy. I'm like, well, you didn't sign that guy, but. As a fan, that's what you you are part of that organization. But when you don't have any, there's no way to to connect yourself with that team, whether it's through uh, whether it's a geographical thing or whether it's you know I, I you know I don't know. I mean that's the that's the easiest way to, to connect yourself with yeah, it, with and, team, but but they don't I'm have just, any of that. It's just kind of random. I'm just if not it, in on the team thing. I don't think it works I, I, for me. I don't think it works. Golf's an individual sport. It'd be anything you do is going to be too kind of arbitrary and contrived that I just don't know if it 
it, it really would gain steam, at least not with me. I think you could do you could definitely do it better than Liv's doing it. Um, that may get a little bit more steam with people, but I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just maybe I'm too much of a traditionalist when it comes to golf, but it's like I have my team sports, I follow golf. Like I don't know, yeah, but yeah, and I mean I think, but that's I think you're right. I mean, I think there's gonna be a lot of people that are like, hey, I'm I like I'm an individualist when it comes to golf. I like to do it myself. But there are other people, you know, maybe in different parts of the world in Europe, they're like, hey, sure. I, I love my team sports. Oh, there, now there's a there's a golf team in in Spain or a golf team in, in England. And like, I'm going to pull for them. You know, you, you just never know who you're going to recruit. But like you said, I think at this point, if they could clean it up a little bit, um, it could certainly – They'd have a better shot of of success, in my opinion. But um, yeah. I know that we're gonna. I mean, with that being said, I know we're gonna kind of go in, dig into the to the PIF and and the the PGA Tour and what they're doing with the that sports. What is what's the name of this group? That's, yeah. So the, the news came out. Was it Sunday? Right after you know Rom. You know, over the weekend, you know Rom signs officially. Then there's the rumors of. Uh, Finau and Hatton going. We haven't got confirmation that Hatton's not. And Rom's got to fill out a team because it sounds like he's got his own his own team. So he's going to have to get three more guys to go with him. Uh, by the so way, Rom's got his own so team. That, that was my question. Yeah, so Rom is getting his own team. Is it an expansion team? I guess so. Yeah. That's so were they kicking other like, people out? No, like they're just going to add a team to the league. Wow, so it's going to be 51? 52. What, Oh, it's four is players. It's it four, four, four per teams. teams. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and there was some some of live execs say they could actually add two or three teams, and and still get around and yeah. Not have and yeah, Taylor Gooch came out today and said they might even be going to seventy two holes because there was rumors that Rom wanted to change the format. Yeah, I, I, I've negotiating I, I, points. I swear that he, I feel, I mean, again, I, this is just speculation. I, I didn't read anything of the sort, but given his given his stance over the last two years on this tour, I feel like there's something in his contract or some clause in his contract that says if we don't get world ranking points, whatever, whatever needs to be done, whether it needs to be 72 holes, whether it needs to be, you know, a, a minimum of, uh, of uh, like a 65 to 70 man field, Whatever needs to be done, if we don't get that within a certain time frame, then I can leave I'm yeah. and I'm out. I can go do something else, go to another tour or pay my fine and go back to the PJ tour. If that's even really going to be a thing, we haven't even really seen yeah. that yeah. yet. But um, I, I have a feeling there's something something, something in there that, that, that depicts that. So all that kind of goes down. And then the PJ tour releases a memo that the policy board and I can read it verbatim, but I'm not really going to. Basically, so they were they were looking at three different um, private equity offers firms here in the states, uh, as well as negotiating with the PIF. And the board unanimously decided to move forward with negotiations, not only with the PIF, but also with this what they're calling the Strategic Sports Group. Hmm. And this Fenway is, Sports Group is a big, big part. Yeah, of that. this is headed up by Fenway Sports Group, who is John Henry is the principal owner, and Tom Warner, uh, a couple other guys, Mike Gordon, and they currently own the Boston Red Sox, the Liverpool FC in the Premier League. They just recently, last year, bought the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
They own a NASCAR racing team, the Roush Fenway racing team. Uh, they own Fenway Park. They own the Boston Globe. They own Nesson, which is our regional sports, New England Sports Network, which is our regional sports. Never uh, heard of it. Patient. That's fine. That's okay. I'm sure you have a regional sports network in Nashville there, or yeah, I forget what it's called down in South Florida. But so they have also brought on some heavy, heavy hitters to join the strategic sports group. So you got Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Wick Grossback, the owner of the Boston Celtics. Are we talking TGL? No. no this, well, all, this all these guys are in TGL, but this is the group that wants to invest in this new PGA Tour for-profit. Enterprise. Yeah, Got PGA it. Tour Enterprise is the for-profit wing. Sorry. Mark Lazary, who owns the Milwaukee Bucks. Tom Rickett, who owns the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cohen Private Ventures, which is Steve Cohen, who owns the New York Mets. Uh, I think there's another like, high-post capital... Um, venture company and so a lot of these people are involved in the tgl product um but they've gotten involved and, and there was a report a couple of weeks ago that you know the fenway sports group was the strongest heaviest offer and pushing the hardest to get it so i don't know what this means i don't know if this means a pga tour or how this can go it, it, the PJ Tour could say, hey, we're going to invest with both of you, or both of you are going to invest. We're going to partner with both PIF and this SSG. We could say, hey, it's going to fall through with SSG and it's just PIF. Or it's, hey, PIF, you're out now that we have these guys. My guess is, and I think the best case scenario would be if they still have the PIF involved, but they dilute some of the PIF's power and share with the strategic sports group. Now, I don't know if the PIF would want that, though. Right. So, I, unfortunately, yeah. as much as I don't like to say this, I think the PGA Tour has to have the PIF involved. And I also think from a fan standpoint, you have to. Because if they remain fractured, then the top the players in the base. world aren't getting back together. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the PIF's going to try to keep stealing guys, and we're going to have these two tours doing completely different things, and the top guys will not be playing golf together again. So I think you have to include PIF, but if they would be welcome to another investor, I don't don't know what their you know thinking is on it. Obviously, yeah, I mean that's 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 that yeah, I agree. That's exactly what I read. And it sounds like, and, and it's still so the way that I read it, the, the deadline for the thirty first is there. There doesn't there there is there doesn't have there they don't have to have a no. a finalized. They just have to have. The, basically, just the negotiations have to still be underway. Like, I, yeah, it's kind of an arbitrary date that they can it's extend. A really, it it's a really subjective term. It's like there's doesn't have to be a finalized deadline or an agreement. It just has. It basically is just saying like we have to continue uh, to have a game plan. Basically, like you have to have an outline of what you want to do. But it's <laughs> there's no contract. There's nothing in in writing saying like, hey, we're going to do this with the PIF. Um, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. Um, but we'll 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 see. But yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. I think that the the PGA Tour or the PGA Tour Enterprise, and I guess it's going to be PGA Tour Enterprises I is going to be the, the, new, it, yeah. the new group. But they they need the the PIF and in order to kind of give this elite tour or this this elite series some legitimacy. Um, when pulling some of these top, you know, the top 10 players on the on the live tour were top 10 players on the PJ tour. So 
if you want to keep the best players playing against each other, you're going to have to find a way to make make it work. You, have, you have to, to, yeah, have to. Um, and if they do, then yeah, that's that's great. That's great for everybody. You know, great for the fans. Great for um, you know everyone involved. Um, we'll see if they if they're able to make it work. But again, I, I still don't know if this SGG if they're going to have enough cash to compete with. Um, with the PIF, I I just I well. Just so the initial rumors back in the summer, and then it was kind of followed up um, with another article that the the PIF was going to invest two billion dollars. Those those guys can scraggle together. I mean, they're all billionaires. They can scraggle together two billion dollars. Um, now, if you're talking ten billion, yes, the PIF obviously can do that. I don't think SSG can or or would. Um, they're not going to oh, be so free. They're not going to be as free with their money. <laughs> but do I think they could match the two billion? Yeah, yeah. I I think they could. Um, and the the rumor was two billion back in in the summer after the initial announcement. And then there was an article that came out also this weekend that been refuted by Jordan Spieth and a couple others. But they were talking how it's just in shambles. The policy board and all of these guys are just scrambling. No one's agreeing. They said Patrick Cantley is basically running negotiations with these other companies, these other ventures, and he's controlling the tour, which is just wild that he you know wanted anyone. To to, you know who needs to go to live? Patrick Cantley. Patrick Cantley. Like, why are we letting Patrick Cantley run negotiations? Like, dude, you're a good golfer and all, but you're not a businessman. Like, you you, like you have Jimmy Dunn and Ed Hurley, who this is what they have done for a living. This is why they're billionaires, because they've brokered massive deals. Like, these are the guys that need to be having these conversations. Like not you, Patrick Cantlay. Like you know, and, and got so no there allegiance, was obviously to the to the PGA Tour. He's, I mean, I mean, he's he's basically come out and said that he he wants to, he wants to pl- play for money at all at all facets of the game, like yeah. Ryder Cup, no matter what. So if, if you're money hungry, just fucking go, go dude. Just go, just go, go. I don't it's, think anyone would care if you left. There was a report that I think it was SI that had it. That back in the summer, the PIF said, hey, we're going to give you a $2 billion investment in the new enterprise. And we're going to give you $1 billion to give to all your players that didn't come over. And they, the policy, the players turned it down. Like Cantlay, and I, I think they even said, you know, Tiger and whoever. I think Cantlay was a big one. Oh, you think it was hard for Tiger to turn down that money? Turn it down. Like, Man, and now granted, because probably they were going to argue how the hell you split up that $1 billion. That would have been a whole shit show with the mules. Because um, it's already a shit show with the mules. We'll get to them in a second as well. But yeah, so, and then, you know, Spieth comes out. No, no, the, we're, the all, players, we're all in unison. The players we're all of the mules. Hold on. The players of the mules. What, what are the, what's, what, what, what's the leadership team called with the, with the PGA tour, the executive team? What, what do we call those? The elite. The rich fucks. <laughs> the elitists yeah well i mean that, the- that's 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 one of the biggest crocs is that again we're making decisions this is what's wrong with golf in general we could go down a bunch of different rabbit holes with this but this is what's wrong with golf in general is that we have the guys that it doesn't matter to making the biz- biggest decisions and influencing the biggest decisions rory tiger even Patrick Cantley, 
those guys are set for life, set for life. This decision doesn't affect them like it does the remainder of the guys. And when it comes down to saying, hey, we're going to give a billion dollars across the board to the remainder of the players, you know who that matters to? 35 through 175. Matters massively to those guys. It it does, but you have to appease the elite guys on tour. They're the ones that are bringing in the ad revenue, the ticket revenue, the viewership, the TV 100%. dollars. 100%. And if if the you have to if you're Ryan Armour, you're Chris Stroud. Like these guys want to complain, but if you don't make Spieth, Rory, Cantlay, Fowler, Thomas, Xander, Scotty Scheffler, if you don't make these guys happy and you give them an out, they go to live and you are going to make less than you're making now. Your tour goes bye-bye that you've been on for 16 years, Chris Stroud, only making half your cuts. I think dividing up a billion dollars between them, you can make everyone happy. I I agree with that. I'm not saying that, that decision was a bad decision. I agree with that. But I'm saying these guys do need to see Absolutely. it a little bit. And it needs to be weighted towards them. I 100% agree with that. Needs to be weighted. Some of these guys them. probably gave up hundreds of millions of dollars. Needs to be weighted towards to them. To stay on the PGA expect, Tour. You can't expect to go down the line and say, all right, Justin and Rory, you know, look, you guys stayed with us. I use Justin just, because he's one of the top five players in the world. Um, I'm, I'm, the I'm not. There. Justin I'm not, and Rory, they're, they're not on the same level. <laughs> I'm not, not, here's the whole thing. I'm not saying that we need to give each of those guys $300 million and divide 200 up amongst the next you know, 173 players. I think there's a way you base it off of pure rankings, pure rankings, and it cascades throughout that ranking. And it it's it's very straight up. Where did you rank this year when this this mattered? Uh, well, I, so I think what it would be would be to ex- extend that whole pip thing all the way down to everyone. That's how you would do it, right? Because the pip factors in yeah. the Nielsen yeah. ratings. It factors in Google searches. It factors in social media. You know, all that kind well, of stuff. But, but but last thing we need to do, and this is take it where it is. Last thing that needs to happen with this payout is that. We give Tiger the majority share, the lion's share of this. And I love Tiger. Nothing against him, but he ranked second in the PIF rating this past year and played not once, what, two events? What was it? I mean. Yeah, but that's, give Tiger whatever the fuck you want. I know he doesn't need it, but he's the reason these guys had this money in the first place. Hell, I would be fine if you gave Jack Nicholas and the state of Arnold Palmer more money because of what they helped build. Like, I'm okay with that, but not for this particular payout. Not for this. Yeah. Let Tiger collect the the PIF money, but this needs to go to active players that have played a minimum of 12 events per sure. year, 13 events per year. Yeah, that's fine. That, that, that's where I look at that. Run it down the line, cascade it throughout, average it all out, and let everyone else get paid and let it happen. And it happens when you have an active PGA tour in the year that the, the agreement or you have an active card in the year that the agreement is reached. Like it's, it's unfortunate and some guys are going to get screwed. Let me tell you something. There's not one decision made in this world where someone doesn't get fucking screwed. Oh, sure. That's yeah. life. Yeah. But on the backside of that, go ahead and just cascade it down. There's no reason that, and that, that goes back to what we said early in this show where politics get involved too much and individuals feelings get involved too much. This is an opportunity to betterment the PGA Tour. 
This is an opportunity to get those guys paid. This is an opportunity to take the guys that are playing on live and get one major tour back together. We need to approach this differently, not looking at the egos, not looking at the guys that are in cars that want the power and the control and look at it as say, hey, what's better for the game? What's better for our players? How do we benefit the conglomerate of our players? That's the third time I've used conglomerate in this podcast. I'm going to hold back on that moving forward, but long story short. But that's that, that's why you have players. Then you go straight to long story short. That's even that's even better. But so look, but look. so to I I agree with that, but you know, these these mules, they come out with this. If they don't watch it, they're gonna cause issues serious issues and they're going to hurt themselves in the long run so 21 guys so this petition that went around last week i guess 21 guys signed it and they hired this law firm to represent them and this letter came out that they sent to the pj tour policy board did you guys see this no i didn't know i didn't read i I saw it i didn't read the letter so basically this firm's representing 21 guys of the pj tour um and they're basically challenging the tour the policy board, the independent directors, all these guys to start like showing them and giving them more transparency and all the information, all these private equity companies and all this kind of stuff and wanting more money and doing all this. We demand full disclosure of the details and um, all these proposals and capital part. Like, and it, it pains me to say that two of the 21 names on this list we've had on this podcast as guests and we've interviewed them. And I'm sorry, guys, but that's why you have a policy board. You got, you guys have voted these people in to represent you. That's why Peter Malnati and and now Webb Simpson, who's no longer an elite guy on the tour, he's now the rank and file on the PGA Tour and a, and a journeyman veteran. Yes, he's won a major, but and Charlie Hoffman is on the board. That's why these guys are on the board to to represent you. And no, you can't. I'm sorry, in a, in a professional organization like this cannot have serious negotiations and then go about and have to tell every member of that association. It doesn't work that way. No company works that way. Me, there's there's me and two other upper management at the Foundry Golf Club. We have been hired to run the club. We also work with a seven-person board who are shareholders, who are voted on by the shareholders. We have been put in charge to make decisions and run the club at the Foundry Golf Club. We can't offer Every opinion, every little note, every little conversation on every opinion that's given. But that's why we've been put in this position and why those members and shareholders have been voted into those positions to represent the other members at are the club. They, are, they members the, are the members of the player board not getting that information? Or they are, but the, no, they, they are. These, these guys, are these guys are saying they need to be privy to all the information. Gotcha, but the but the 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 members of the player board, Peter Malnati, Webb Simpson, they are getting that information. They're and it's getting just it. They're, they are getting it. Okay, as long as they're getting it, it's their yeah. it's their responsibility to get back to the players and give that information to them. As long as it's as long as it's transparent and to the representatives that have been voted in, yes. then that's yeah. their job to give it. If they're not getting that. If the player board is not getting that information, then that's a problem. But if they're if if the players players board is if they're getting that information, the players that are voted in, if they're getting that transparency from the tour, then that's all you can ask for. But you're right. Yeah. You can't have you can't just 
you can't just give all this information out to every player and explain it all to every every single person and listen to everyone's opinion. Uh, yeah. That would be yeah. exhausting. But as long as they're giving that um, to to the elected uh, board members for, for the players board, then yeah, that's the it's the it's the board member's job to explain that to the players. If you need to hold a hold a meeting with all the players and explain what's going on, then you do that. I'm I'm muting McLean's mic because I'm not sure what's going on. I think there's an assault. Uh, we may have to call nine one one here in a second. I think his wife is beating him up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, guys, come on, just let these people do their job. Like it was already bad enough that the PGA Tour had to air out all their negotiations in front of Capitol Hill back in the summer, which makes it harder to negotiate the PIF. Yeah. Like if they're gonna then tell every rank and file guy on tour what's going on and what the proposals were from all these companies. Like you don't need to. That's why you have these guys in these positions that spend these hours on these damn policy board meetings and why Peter Malnati's there. Like it is a it is a it, it's a unique it's a unique setup. It's it's I, I don't know if we can com- compare it directly to like but even your, but even in the a, NFL or MLB yeah like these guys have a players union. Every team mm-hmm. gets a yeah. representative that sits yep. in these like you you vote a play a teammate to be your player sure. representative and they do the bidding for you and they sit in the conversations and they look at the data and that group of players makes they come to a unanimous or a decision of what they think is in the best player best interest of all the players i mean that's that's how it works they don't you think every player in the nfl knows what's happening in these collective bargaining agreements when there's strikes and all this kind of, no it doesn't work that way and voting in uh, a, a member of the Senate, you, like you, they yeah. represent a region, they represent a district, and you vote them in. And if you if you have a problem with it, then you go directly to your senator and say, "Hey, I need this, this, and this. This is why I need it." And you make your case. Um, it's yeah. no different. Yeah. It's the same same setup. But so, you know, so. it, I, again, I, it, it, that was my only question: is if 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 the elected board members are not getting that transparency, then that's a problem. Um, no, but it sounds are, like it sounds like they are. It sounds like when Tiger came in, he was like, "We're we're heavily involved now in all this stuff." And now they have they have well, more votes than anyone else too. They now have six votes to five. Yeah, if they're get, if they're if they're getting the information and they have a say, um, which they should, um, oh, because yeah. I, again, I think that it, it, this is a unique unique setup. It's not like your like I said, it's not like your your typical you know business. You know, uh, you you've got an organizer, and you have, you know, the players or the uh, the I don't want to say the talent, but uh, so to speak. I mean, these are the people that uh, the players are the people are the are the players are the people that the fans see, and that's who they support, and they want to spend their money to watch. They pay for, but if you don't have the organizers to set that up, then you don't have a tour. So. I'm a I'm a player, so I I obviously understand where these guys are coming from. But at the same time, if you don't have an organizer to set the tour up and to to put it together, then you don't have a platform to play either. So yeah, it's the whole you need kind of both. Chicken and the egg. You need both. yeah, you need both sides of it, and you have to work together. But so the you know the 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 leaders of the PJ Tour and the organization can't withhold any information from the players, and the players from the same side. You you have to be transparent with with the the organizers and, and telling them what needs to be done and uh, in, in terms of making the tour work. You have to work together, 
you know, it's not, it's not one like again, I'm a player, but you can't say we're the players, we're the talent. If you don't have us, you don't have a tour. Well, yeah, you're right. But if we don't have an organizer to, to run the back office, to set this, to set this thing up, then, then you don't have a place to play either. (laughs) So it kind of goes both ways. It goes both ways. Yeah. So anyways, it's, it's just a, I don't know. We'll see where all this goes. Hope maybe we'll have a little bit more clarity of what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I highly doubt it. There's no way they're hitting this December 31st deadline. Um, uh, I mean, Jay, I think Jay hit- and Yassir were supposed to meet this past week and they got postponed. I guess they're now going to meet this week at some point face I mean, to face. He did, he did um, say, Jay said, we will have a plan, which is all that's required from this, from this deadline. We just need it that we just have to have a plan in place. And they said that we will have a plan in place by, by 1231. But what that plan entails, we'll see. But um, I don't know. Yeah. So um, anyways, I think, I think that just about does it for tonight. Um, Tiger Woods (laughs) is playing golf this weekend. Oh, we got the, the PNC. We get the final stage of Q school this week. I will break all that down and discuss, I guess, next week. Break uh, it down, Mike. Break time, it down. First time in over a decade that they're giving spots to the PJ Tour, five spots to the PJ Tour. The next 25 are basically fully exempt on the Corn Ferry. The next, I think it's the next, well, maybe it's the, no, is it the, is it, is it the next 45? E- either way, it's, it's extended yeah, from what it was. Yeah, it's it's five, then maybe forty five, then twenty five, and then the next twenty five obviously get um, you know like through the first couple reshuffles. So it's way more it's way more favorable for a player to go to Q school now than it was for the fifteen years that I played. Did y'all see? <laughs> did y'all see some of the guys that are playing Q school this year? I didn't. I didn't look at the list of of who's in finals. I was gonna kind of pull that up, but uh, I'll I'll Hold definitely on, look please. at that. Oh please! Oh please! Get this list because it is it's fantastic. I literally just had. All right, here I am. I'm back up. All right, so rolling down the list of guys we know: Braden Thornberry, big time amateur. Um, he just played in the live event. Yep. Uh, oh. Taylor. I don't know how he's in this. Uh, regardless. Uh, Taylor Funk, Fred Funk's son. I've played some amateur golf events with him. Satoshi Cordera, who's played a lot of events. Kyle Westmoreland's played a bunch of events. The guy's a stud. I actually know him from Charleston. Played a decent amount of golf with him after hours. Um, really good dude. He he didn't necessarily indulge in the after hours things the way the rest of our group did. That's why he's on tour. Um, Grant Hirschman, Max McGreevy, Wesley Bryan, um, Rob Oppenheim, Kevin Tway. Roberto Diaz, Bobby D, Porky, the man himself, um, Curtis Thompson, Kramer Hickok, um, Martin Trainer, Sam Saunders, Ryan Gerard, Spencer Levine, Harry Higgs, Charlie Belgian, Henrik Norlander, uh, Bryce Garnett, Russell Knox, Rain Gibson, Chase Seifert, Harrison Endicott. Kelly Kraft, Austin Smotherland, PK. Are you gonna name? Are you gonna name every person in the field? I'm gonna name the ones that are most notable. The fact that how how deep this field is. Bryson Nimmer, S Y No. I'm sure it's sung you'll know, I think, but 
No, that's not all right. But SY no. Um, Eric Barnes, uh, Kevin Chapel, Hank Lebiota, uh, Carter Jenkins, Doc Redmond. This is actually a pretty cool story. So Carter Jenkins was a junior at a course that I was the assistant pro at way back in the day, Wildwood Green in Raleigh, North Carolina. Doc Redmond also grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and ended up getting taught by my same teacher, Jimmy Hamilton, who was a college roommate of my father's uh, back in the day at Maryland. Ryan Blom, the Duke, as much as I hate Duke, uh, the Duke standout, good, great player who's had a lot of success out there. James James Nicholas, um, Sean O'Hare, Fabian Gomez, Sam Bennett. Uh, Daniel Summerhays. Okay, okay, Dung we Kane. get it. Hold yeah, on, motherfucker. We get it. I'm almost, we're almost. No, see, here's the point, though. Of all these names you just said, Richie most of our Lorenzi. listeners have no idea who two thirds of them are. But we do, Eric. Compton. And a few of the names that you listed are the guys that signed this petition and hired this law firm. <laughs> all I'm saying is that it's incredible to see the amount of previous talent that is back at Q School. That's where I'm going with that. I looked at it, Blake Mache. Um, there are some players that have a ton. Julian Surrey. There's a lot of good players out there that are vying for their spots this week. It goes to show how fine that line is between um, making it and not making it in golf. One of the things that makes this sport great. I was surprised to see some of the names that I saw because we've seen a lot of these guys play well in a lot of PGA Tour events. Sam Bennett had a big Masters this year. And he's at Q school trying to trying to carve his way into a career. So we'll see what happens. But uh, long story short, as the dust settles at the end of the day, as the cookie crumbles, as the cookie crumbles, (laughs) we got a lot of good good players out there uh, vying for these cards, man. It's going to be going to be a tough event, tough event. I like to see Eric Compton. I mean, I love that guy's story. Um, I hope he gets back out there. He was in the news not too long ago. Did you guys see that? Like he got arrested. He like domestic was a domestic dispute or something like that. Yeah. Weird, yeah. weird, weird, weird. I mean, am I've I never bad, heard anything but good things person? about Eric. So that's that was kind of weird out of character, you know, thing that popped up. So I don't know what happened there. It, um, it made me a bad person for wondering what she said. <laughs> all right all right on that note, i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding come on you got to watch what you say now we're an award-winning podcast you, gotta, well, you guys, we're not you guys making picks this week we're not making picks but i'm gonna pick tiger and charlie woods to win the pnc <laughs> you guys witnessed my relationship here i just got assaulted because my wife went into her some crappy thing on her desk and a bunch of hundred dollar bills fly out and i'm like this is our financial security. Is this real life? So, anyways, love you guys. All right, I'm <laughs> gonna take. I'm gonna take Steve and Izzy Stricker. Oh, that's your winners right there, Stricker oh, family. Steve and Izzy. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I don't know anything about Izzy. I don't know how old. Is this a is this a girl or a guy? Yeah, or just, yeah. I'm pretty matter, sure. But... I'm pretty sure she's a stick that plays collegiate golf. So, oh, oh, she's a collegiate player. Oh, yeah. Gee, that's then. Yeah, that's. I would. Steve Stricker is playing some good golf right now. Yeah. <laughs>
Give me the Strickers. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna put money. I'm gonna see if I can find a bookie that will give me. Is, are the daily? Are the daily guys? The is is they would uh, have to be playing right. His his son is is at Arkansas and like what junior at Arkansas? Yeah, they're playing. Mm. There's a lot they, of good talent in this thing now. There used to be a bad field. Now it's like getting cool to play. Now Tigers playing in it. Tigers playing. Everybody's everyone's trying to show up. I mean, you got past champions, the Thomas family. You know, can't ever look them. You know, I mean, who knows? I know Mike's back situation is, but you get a top five player in the world in Justin there. So that's got to look at them. Got to, got to. I don't know where you guys came up with this top five player in the world thing, but I never, I never said that. So, but anyway, if that's where you guys want to go with it, we know that's where he is. We know that's where he is. <laughs> that's where he is. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm freaking exhausted. I'm tired. Oh, you guys are tired. That's yeah, hilarious. I am tired. It's almost midnight our time. No. You guys got a five and a half hour drive in the morning with appointments. No, on but I didn't. I didn't choose cool. to be a sales rep. So, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Hey, good, nice good. pod. One a one forty one award winning pod here. Yeah, we are a good, on our way. Good debate. Good healthy debate conversation. A lot of different Hashtag viewpoints. Fuck rollback. God, I didn't know where you stand. I'm glad I didn't know where you stood on that. I'm glad I know now. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to get that in there last minute. Definitely, Wouldn't no one's made it this far in the small podcast. Small clubheads. I'm down for that. He doesn't want to roll back unless it's the clubheads, and you can roll those back. I mean, if I just say if we're gonna roll back, let's go all the way. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go back, like way back. Like so we're Jay, gonna do. Jay, here's what we're gonna do in the spring. I want you and I to get some old clubs. I so, love doing that. I'm gonna. I just need some like persimmon, persimmon heads or like persimmon heads. I have oh, an old, me. old set of my dad's irons from the 70s. Oh, let's do it. And we're gonna. I'm gonna go on eBay. We're gonna find some old like baladas. Oh, that'd be fun. And we're gonna play around a golf with some old clubs and old balls. I love it. Let's we're gonna do fucking it. roll it back. Uh, 2024. That's gonna be great. That's gonna be great. I'll probably shoot lower than I shoot right now. Yeah, you should make it a tournament at the Foundry. You'll have no one in her. <laughs> Actually, years ago, we had a Hickory's golf tournament. We had a lot of fun. A lot of people entered. No, we'll have to be a one-day thing because no one's going to want to do it for very long. Says the guy who works for a club manufacturer. You're a club involved manufacturer. You're an unbiased opinion on this. I'm non-biased, 100%. (laughs) Unbiased opinions. All right, Uh, gents. All right, boys. that That was a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back next week to discuss the Strickers win. Cheers.